Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm back in London this week from a week in Russia, of all places. Yeah, I got Paul Manafort's old gig. No, no, my um, significant other was performing dates in uh, Russia and Estonia. Hey, check out Talon sometime. America's got Talon, but... uh, it, it obviously an interesting time for an American to go to Russia, given all the stuff that we're being told. I, I, I have no insight as a civilian, swear to, into um, what the FSB, successor to the KGB, may be up to. Any more than as an American citizen, I have any idea what the CIA and NSA are really up to. So my observations are those of just a guy walking around with uh, his significant other, taking uh, strolls and rides around Moscow and St. Petersburg, and then uh, meeting Russians who came to uh, some concerts of an evening, as you would, as you do. And uh, those observations add up to these. Contrary to what you might think, the face of Vladimir Putin is not plastered all over Moscow and St. Petersburg. It's not like, uh, let's say, the capital of North Korea and images of the dear leader or the son of the dear, or the grandson of the dear leader. All of them very dear. Um, to the contrary, the only sightings I had of um, the visage of Vladimir Putin in a bookstore, there's a biography of him out, and his face is on the cover, of course. And in uh, souvenir stores, you can find souvenirs, best place to find them, of um, you know nesting dolls and T-shirts with his face on them. Most of them more jocular than hagiographic. Um, one example, a T-shirt of Putin and uh, Donald Trump side-by-side, bare-chested riding bareback on horses. I do think they're kidding. The um, What you do see on billboards and um, in shopping precincts all around both towns are McDonald's. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is everywhere. Um, Le Pain Quotidien, for goodness sake. I think that's American. It, it, it pretends to be French, but I, anyway. Western stuff. Um, ads for Land Rover. I know that's not American. But it could be soon. Um, if, they're, if they're gearing up for a battle with America, they're doing it the wrong way. Because... People seem to like this stuff. You turn on the radio or you're in a cab where radio's on. You're hearing an Amer- American music, old and new. Restaurants and cafes are playing like great American songbook stuff. Not a lot of rap and hip-hop I heard there, but, you know, I wasn't hanging out with um, 
the Russian hip hoppery, I guess. So uh, it it doesn't, as I say, it doesn't seem as if they're whipping up the kind of anti-Americanism that would be the cognate of the anti-Russianism that's being whipped up in the United States, for whatever reason. I, I no interpretation, merely reporting for your listening pleasure. Because I'm, hello, welcome to the show. From London, England, operating in 
Indian Summer Style Lee. I'm Harry Shearer welcoming you to the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We almost never start off the show with it, but we are today. We're so sorry. Because, you know, routine is the thing. Some uh, apologies about um, related to the Harvey Weinstein thing. Starting out here, designer Donna Karen has apologized for the remarks she made about women in the wake of the uh, Harvey Weinstein thing. Karen was interviewed on the red carpet at the Cinema Fashion Film Awards in Hollywood. I miss that. And made comments in the Daily Mail, which suggested that women may be, quote, asking for it by presenting all the sensuality and all the sexuality. I think we have to look at ourselves, Karen said. Well, that's a different kind of sexuality. Quote, obviously, the treatment of women all over the world is something that always had to be identified. Certainly in the country of Haiti, where I work in Africa and the developing world, it's been a hard time for women. To see it here in our own country is very difficult. But I also think, how do we display ourselves? How do we present ourselves as women? What are we asking? Are we asking for it by presenting all the sexuality and sensuality? Unquote. She also pointed to Weinstein's achievements. And she said uh, he and his wife are, quote, wonderful people. Now Karen has apologized, saying, I made a statement that unfortunately is not representative of how I feel or what I believe. People are getting possessed, I think, more these days, don't you? Or hypnotized. I have spent my life championing women, Karen said. My life has been dedicated to dressing and addressing the needs of women, empowering them and promoting equal rights, also taking their credit cards. Her defense of Weinstein was not re- well received. Actress Rose McGowan called her deplorable. Ben Affleck has apologized to Hillary Burton on Twitter, your apology central. After Burton spoke up about a time in 2003 when the actor grabbed her breast during an interview on MTV, I acted inappropriately towards Mrs. Burton, and I apologize, Affleck said. His apology to the actress from One Tree Hill and Lethal Weapon is notable for its directness. All right, then. Points for that, I guess. Cheryl Sandberg, in an interview with Mike Allen on Thursday, said the social network owes America an apology for its role in enabling enabling Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election, which CNN's international network still calls alleged Russian meddling, just for your information. Quote, things happened on our platform that shouldn't have happened, said Sandberg, in reference to the events leading up to the election. We know we have a responsibility to prevent everything we can from this happening on our platforms. Unquote. So if you want free speech, don't go to Russia. Sandberg admitted the Russian-financed ads and fake news are a, quote, new threat that Facebook must address and accept responsibility for. But she offered some exceptions. If the Russian-linked ads were posted by real people and not bots or fake accounts, Facebook would leave them up on the site. Quote, when you allow free expression, you allow free expression, Sandberg said. Redundantly. This is uh, 12 days after... Mark Zuckerberg apologized for the role his company played in the election. For the ways my work was used to divide people rather than bring them together, I ask forgiveness. I will work to do better, Zuckerberg wrote on his Facebook page. Did I mention on this program about that apology of Zuckerberg's that uh, the business model of the company is to divide people up for the convenience and 
targeting purposes of advertisers, not to bring them together. Did I? Okay, then. The Murdoch family, which controls News Corp., the parent company of News Group, has apologized. News Group has, actually, in court and agreed to pay damages to a former British intelligence officer whose computer and emails were hacked. Yes, a uh, company hacked a former UK intelligence officer. News Group admitted a private investigative firm had hacked the computer of Ian Hurst and that its boss, Jonathan Ross, uh, sorry, Jonathan Reese, had then sent intercepted information to the newspaper publisher. Lawyers for News Group said the company offered its, quote, sincerest and unreserved apologies, unquote, to Hearst and his family and accepted, quote, vicarious liability for the hacking. News Group will pay substantial damages to Hearst and cover his legal costs. Nice people doing nice things. Mike Ditka has apologized for saying he wasn't aware of any racial oppression over the last 100 years in the United States. The famed Chicago Bears coach came under fire for making the comments during a radio interview this week about NFL players kneeling. He issued an apology the next day, saying he was talking about professional football and not society as a whole. Nene Leakes is taking full responsibility for her actions. She's a real housewife of Atlanta, in case you didn't know. And I didn't either. She made headlines when she called out a female heckler while on stage for a stand-up comedy show in Oakland, California. After getting booed by the crowd, Leaks told the woman she hoped her Uber driver would rape her on the way home. Leaks took to Facebook a couple of days later to apologize for her choice of words. Quote, I truly regret and apologize for what I said from the stage in Oakland over the weekend. Sometimes words can cut deep and hurt when you have no intention of them doing so. As a woman and someone who has survived abuse, I regret the words that I used. I made a mistake and I should have known better. I hope people accept my deepest and sincerest apologies. I am sorry, unquote. Last week, she, st- she slammed co-star of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, a daughter of the co-star, after the 20-year-old posted pictures of cockroaches she allegedly found in Leek's home, posted them to Snapchat. I ain't got no cockroaches. Michael Hartman, the executive director for the Colorado Department of Revenue, has apologized after the DMV erroneously sent letters to suspend or revoke driving privileges for dozens of people. The DMV was sending notices to hit and run crash victims, while in many cases the suspects got away. Well... You win some, you lose some. Dateline, Hartford, Connecticut, a state senator apologized for comments she made during a meeting with university students about the state budget. The uh, college Democrats invited Senator Gail Slosberg to speak about the state budget October 3rd. Uh, They wanted her to focus on the impact since she voted for the Republican budget proposal. She said she started her political career on a local PTA board and worked to remove books with racial epithets from grade school libraries. But while describing that work, she explicitly used the N-word without euphemisms within the context of its presence in the books, according to University of Connecticut College Democrats. They said they have received a formal apology from Slossberg. We as a club believe that her use of this word is reprehensible and unjustifiable. There's no excuse for her use of this kind of language, regardless of context, said the College Democrats. Slossberg said, I referenced the actual word aloud. She capitalizes the word, word as it appeared in the text of a children's book. My intention was to convey that this word has no place in our society, especially in teaching our children. 
I responded immediately for the offense caused by my utterance and sent a formal apology to the entire club. She said. College Democrats said the incident caused a visceral reaction from some of their members, and they'll discuss it at their next meeting. Refreshments will be served. In the wake of significant backlash, a a Yale English Department lecturer, Mark Oppenheimer, issued a formal apology this week for an article he wrote about Harvey Weinstein, titled, quote, The Specifically Jewy Perviness of Harvey Weinstein, unquote. The analysis I offered was hasty and ill-considered, especially in light of the even graver accusations that were published by The New Yorker, said Oppenheimer in his apology. I take this as a lesson in the importance of knowing as much as one can about a given story and in taking the time to think and feel things completely through before opining. I apologize for not doing so in this case. He described the article as a mistake. It was published in a Jewish publication called The Tablet. Take two. Call me in the morning. Jason Momoa Momoa, is apologizing after an old video surfaced of him making an inappropriate joke about his role on Game of Thrones. He was on a panel in 2011 during Comic-Con. Let's all dress up and go there. What do you think? Discussing his participation in the series. Quote, but as far as sci-fi and fantasy, I love that there's so many things you can do, like rip someone's tongue out of their throat and get away with it and rape beautiful women, he said. The audience immediately expressed shock. His character, who died in the second season, that's getting him, had non-consensual sex on his wedding night with his on-screen wife, portrayed by Emilia Clark in later episodes. The two characters fall in love. Isn't that cool? You can rape her and then... Momoa responded on Instagram this week to backlash over the video, saying he understands why fans are outraged. I woke in Australia to the justified reactions by many people to a distasteful joke I made years ago, for which I'm sorry. I'm still severely disappointed in myself at the insensitivity of my remarks that day. I know my sincerest apology now won't take away those hurtful words. I made a truly tasteless comment. It is unacceptable, and I sincerely apologize with a heavy heart for the words I said. All apologies. Jason. A Canadian rabbi who participated in the planning of that Holocaust memorial monument, whose plaque omitted any reference to Jews, apologized for what he said was inattentiveness. Rabbi Daniel Friedman of Edmonton, Alberta, made the apology in an interview with the Ottawa Citizen about that gaffe that ended with the removal of the plaque at the Canada National Holocaust Monument in Ottawa, ahead of its replacement with a plaque that does mention Jews. We suddenly realized an egregious error had been made, said Friedman, who chaired the advisory council on the monument's creation. Bad advice, babe. The offending ad uh, by Dove, the soap company apologized for this week. It was a three-second GIF promoting Dove body wash that was posted to the brand's Facebook page, taken down two days later. It showed a looping image of a black woman removing a dark brown T-shirt to reveal a white woman. She then removes her beige T-shirt to show a third woman. This did not represent the diversity of real beauty, which is something Dove is passionate about and is core to our beliefs, and it should not have happened, the company said in a statement. Yes, the soap is passionate. Quote, we apologize deeply and sincerely for the offense that it has caused and do not condone any activity or imagery that insults any audience. Please buy our soap. One America News Network this week aired a lengthy segment called American Pravda, billed as an exclusive report, 
with um, provocateur James O'Keefe in it. He recorded conversations with, among others, a New York Times audience strategy editor who said he had a hand in Trump coverage, that he's not objective, and that he wants to take Trump down. He also said he's James Comey's godson, which he isn't. Times responded to the video saying the recently hired editor in a junior position violated our ethical standards and misrepresented his role. The video was promoted on the Drudge Report and appeared on Breitbart's radio program. But One American News Network's CEO apologized on Twitter just a few days after promoting the video as, quote, the holy grail of media. We would like to apologize for the quality of the recent American Pravda program as well as the way it was presented, said Robert Herring. He later added, we apologize for airing the America Pravda reveal without giving you the time to refute to the, uh, that was to the Times. It was not of the quality to advertise as the Holy Grail, he said. I think we failed. Not the Holy Grail. What a disappointment. We'll look for it again soon. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. National uh, Geographic comes out with news that uh, Neanderthals may be to blame if your uh, arthritis is bad. Scientists announced this month the second complete high-quality sequencing of a Neanderthal genome using the 52,000-year-old bones of a female found in Croatia. Together with the genomes from another Neanderthal woman and a host of modern humans, a suite of analyses is yielding new clues about how DNA from Neanderthals contributed to our genetic makeup and might still be affecting us today. Several areas of the new Neanderthal genome match segments in certain modern humans closely associated with various health concerns, blood cholesterol levels, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and rheumatoid arthritis. These are just associations, said uh, one of the researchers. That doesn't mean if you have a particular variant of a gene, you either will or won't have a disease. It means sometimes you might. Some of the Neanderthal contributions are helpful. There was one variant that was more certain for LDL cholesterol. That's the good cholesterol. A common misconception, says the researcher, is that things that come from Neanderthals are generally bad, but that's not entirely true. How did we end up with Neanderthal genes? The obvious explanation. We intermixed, so to speak. The Neanderthals who mixed with our ancestors seem to be more closely related to the ones from Europe, says the researcher. It doesn't matter where you look in the world. Even people in Asia are also more closely related to that Neanderthal, despite the fact that Asian Neanderthal bones are geographically closer. In a separate study in American Journal of Human Genetics, two of the researchers' colleagues took a slightly different tack, looking at how ancient genes might account for physical appearance and even some behaviors. Comparing the Asian Neanderthals' genes with genetic and physiological data from 112,000 individuals of Northern European descent, they found 15 regions in the Asian Neanderthal genome that frequently overlap with sections of the UK biobanks genomes, determining hair and eye color, how badly you sunburn, and even sleep time preference, whether you're a morning person or a night owl. The uh, lead scientist for National Geographic's 
Genographic Project says this is a great advance in building a more complete picture of Neanderthal history. As well, maybe they'll start a Neanderthal history channel. Who knows? As well as understanding how their ancestry affects us still. More genetic information will flow from labs around the world, he says, rapidly adding to what we know. It's a huge step forward. Solving the mystery of why Neanderthal genes have persisted in our genome over the last 50,000 years. We've known there was a mixing. Now for 10 or 12 years, he says, now we're getting to the meat of why those genes survived. Neanderthal meat. The planet's creatures But not one shares your fetching features You've got it all So Neanderthal Just one glimpse of your prominent brow Makes me want to get it on right now So strong, so tall So Neanderthal This is Le Show, and now... I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir, you. Microplastics. Think about it. 
Will you think of that? Yes, I will. Enough said. Apparently not. Apparently not enough said. Because uh, more is going to be said, like, right now. News of microplastics. Sewage plants are contributing to plastic pollution in the oceans with millions of tiny beads spilling into the seas around the United Kingdom. Right where I'm talking to you from. I can see them from here. This is according to a new report published in The Guardian. Dozens of UK wastewater treatment plants use tiny plastic pellets known as bio beads to filter chemical and organic contaminants from sewage. This is according to a study from the Cornish Plastic Pollution Coalition, the CPPC. The report found that many millions of these pellets, which are only about 3.5 millimeters wide, you get the converter out, have been spilled and ended up in the environment. That's where we live. The author of the report said that once the bio beads had been released, they're hard to spot because they're teeny and almost impossible to remove, yet can cause significant harm to marine wildlife. We're learning more all the time about the environmental impact of consumer microplastics in wastewater, she said. It's, uh, her name is Claire Wallerstein. However, it now seems that microplastics used in the wastewater plant's own processes could also be contributing to the problem. One of the uh, water companies involved said there's no evidence that biobeads are currently being released into the marine environment from any of its sites. Only uh, nine of its 655 plants even use biobeads. The uh, company did ex- accept that there had been spills in the past that were subsequently cleaned up. We got all the beads. We sent tiny little people out. A spokesperson added, We worked with the authors of the report to encourage evidence-based rigor. However, in parts, it remains anecdotal rather than factual. Wallerstein, the author, said samples had been analyzed by a plastics expert who'd been studying nurdles for 20 years. Nurdles are tiny pellets that form the basis of most plastic products, as opposed to biobeads, which are specifically manufactured for the purpose of water filtration. He, said Wallerstein, confirmed that uh, what they found were biobeads, not nurdles. I just, just makes me hungry for some chicken nurdle soup right about now. The biobead system is used in at least 55 wastewater treatment plants around Great Britain. The author said the scale of the subsequent pollution could be far-reaching, adding that uh, in one coastal area, Cornwall, biobeads account for the majority of the industrial plastic pellets found littering the gorgeous beaches. And billions of pounds of plastic waste enter the ocean every year. New evidence shows that runoff from just 10 rivers are responsible for a large amount of the waste. What are the lucky rivers? Stay tuned. The waste is often consumed by fish, damaging their health, sometimes finding its way to the dinner table where it damages thousands of the table. In a study published in Environmental Science and Technology, German scientists found that up to 4.4 million tons of plastic waste can be traced to the 10 rivers, eight of which are located in Asia. So make your travel plans now. Scientists identified the Amazon, the Huangpu, Xi, and Yangtze in China, the Brantas and Solo in Indonesia, the Irrawaddy in Myanmar, the Pastig in the Philippines, the Ganges, of course, in India, and the Cross in both Nigeria and Cameroon. Whew, we're safe. Researchers have known that rivers are responsible for introducing a lot of plastic waste into the oceans, but couldn't precisely pin down the amount and exactly where it originates from. Most plastic products find their way into landfills and the ocean rather than the recycler. It's estimated only 14% of plastic packaging is recycled. Products like bottled water, or actually bottled water, is the largest source of plastic pollution. So if you drink the water, you get plastic. If you drink the uh, bottled water, 
you put more plastic in the tap water, but you don't drink, so you drink the bottle of water. Microplastics. Just one word, microplastics. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a, a, a very important weekend for me. It's the first time uh, I can recall that I've had something in common with Harvey Weinstein. As of today, neither of us is a member of the Motion Picture Academy. And speaking of celebrities, this, uh, I, I guess I'm a couple of weeks late to uh, finding this out, but I'm sharing it with you in case you've missed it too. According to his last will and testament provided to People magazine by an outfit called The Blast, Jerry Lewis emphatically cut out all six children he had with his first wife, Patty Palmer, from his will. So they'll inherit exactly Zippo, not a zip. Quote, I have intentionally excluded Gary Lewis, Ronald Lewis, Anthony Joseph Lewis, Christopher Joseph Lewis, Scott Anthony Lewis, and Joseph Christopher Lewis. They were fond of a few names there. And their descendants as beneficiaries of my estate, it being my intention that they shall receive no benefits hereunder. That's a quote from the will written five years ago. The uh, sixth child, Joseph, died of a drug overdose in 2009. Lewis and Patty Palmer, his first wife, were married for 36 years. Gary, of course, went on to become a um, pop musician for a while. Lewis's potentially vast estate, this is according to People magazine, will be passed to his widow, Sandy Pitnick. And uh, second in line to inherit his fortune is his 25-year-old adopted daughter, Danielle, who was working as his manager at the time of his demise. I happen to know a couple of other facts not published by People magazine. Jerry Lewis, as you probably may have known, was Jewish. Patty, his first wife, was Catholic. Um, I learned this when I was uh, investigating a report on the Jerry Lewis telethon for uh, Film Film Comment magazine. They made a deal. All all of their children were to be raised Catholic, except for the firstborn, who would be raised Jewish. That was Gary. The uh, other little factoid uh, was well-known to people at the time. He'd had five sons by Patty. She was pregnant again. He had a TV show at the time, and he was so determined to have a daughter that he uh, ran a publicity campaign on his TV show, campaigning for the next child to be female, including uh, a a, a stunt called Think Pink. That child turned out to be a boy. So it's a, it's a, as I say, I, I came late to this information. It was published, I think, a couple of weeks ago. But apparently uh, other people have already been making big plans to deal with it. Live via Hulu, Amazon, Facebook Live, and Apple TV. Welcome to Love 17, the first and only telethon for Jerry's actual kids. Hi, I'm Tim Gunn, welcoming you to the Howard Hughes Showroom at the Last Chance Casino in beautiful Laughlin, Nevada. For the next few hours, the stars of real show business and reality TV come together to help some very unique individuals, the sons of one of the world's great humanitarians, as well as their mom. Will there be a Nobel Peace Prize in it for all of us? That's up to you. You've got to make it work, viewers. Now, please welcome the host of our show, internationally known as who, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Belzer. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen. 
Thanks to my sidekick, Tim Gunn. Although, if he does kick me in my side, I'm suing for child support. <laughs> child support. These will be the jokes, you see. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Uh, this is a very important evening, ladies and gentlemen. So important that just for the duration of this telethon, the last chance casino won't be watering the drinks. No. No, they're not. Uh, but seriously, as they want me to say, this is the first time these major online video sites have come together since they joined to lobby Congress for an antitrust exemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're here tonight for a good cause, as Tim, as Tim mentioned before he had to rush backstage to spot clean his spanks. Spot clean his spanks. Uh, we're here tonight to help the sons and the first wife of a great comedian, a great humanitarian, and a, a friend of mine, by which I mean one of the giants of show business I tried to borrow money from. No, 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 Jerry, Jerry was very nice to me, but then I wasn't his wife or kids, you see. Now, Jerry once wrote a very well-respected book about his work in the movie business. It was called The Total Filmmaker. I'm sure Jerry's sons would agree with the first two words of the title and the syllable count of the third. See, we'll be here all, all night till you work out the last joke. Actually, we will be here until uh, Amazon fires every executive connected with Harvey Weinstein. You know? So uh, stay up with us. Enjoy the laughs and the songs. Or just laugh at the songs. And then get on your mobile phone or your computer and give to help Jerry's actual kids. Uh, they're not in wheelchairs yet, but with your help, who knows? <laughs> Speaking of which, one of Jerry's real kids is joining us tonight from uh, the Old East Cruise just off the coast of Oblivion. Please welcome Gary Lewis. Thank you. Thank you for remembering. Everybody loves a clown Except for me Yeah! All right, all right, all right! Gary Lewis, ladies and gentlemen, via digital recording because uh, we couldn't afford a frigging satellite. No, that's, that's actually true because all the money we raise here tonight on Love 17, it's going to go directly to Jerry's kids and to his first wife, Patty, because she kind of insisted. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I kid the disinherited. And now, before you all doze off completely, it's my uh, contractual responsibility to introduce our next guest. Anybody who's old enough to remember Boys Are Us, one of the phenomenal boy bands of the 1990s, is probably old enough to remember my TV career. <laughs> but uh, since then, Dewey Gordon pursued a solo singing career, Unfortunately, it escaped. 
Now, he's becoming a distinguished actor with roles on Grey's Anatomy as orderly number one and as coroner's assistant on NCIS Los Angeles. Tonight, he's tackling maybe his hardest job as an actor since he convinced his agent he was under 40. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dewey Gordon. I hate children, at least my own. It makes me laugh when they go to the ATM and the machine spits the card back out. I love to watch them waiting for sales at the dollar store. It makes me feel good to watch them try to recycle their old toothpaste. The cute little smiles of their childhood years don't warm my heart nearly as much as their pitiful telephone calls at holiday time. They don't know what to wish me, and I don't know what to give them, except a hard time. Yes, I am Jerry, and I hate children, at least my own. And it will take more time, more love, and more money than you have yet shown to stop me. Go ahead, I dare you. Pick up that phone. I dare you. Dewey Gordon, he taped that for us on location in Toronto, a city that works almost as cheap as he does. Yeah, that's, that's not easy, playing the dark side of a man we love. Please give him a hand when you get a chance, because, you know, we've got an actual big-name guest on the telethon right now. Oh, oh, and oh, excuse me, Richard. Tim Gunn, ladies and gentlemen, back from an extended engagement in the stall nearest the sink. What do you got for me? Uh, you don't want to know. I, but look at that tote board. But there's nothing on the tote board. No, but look at what Megan, our tote girl, is wearing. Don't you love the ruching? I... And I... And I'll, t I'll tell you what I do love, Tim, your whole friggin' act. And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been waiting for a real celebrity to show up, here he is. Direct from wherever he taped this, Mr. Paul Anka. And when the end was near, Jerry could see that final curtain. He wrote just one more will to leave his wife and sons a hurting. He had a feud with his first brood, but not in a public dick and Liz way. And what he did to each and every kid, he did it his way. An act of love or spiteful grudge For at the end we walk alone And maybe stop to pick a bone For us who live, it's on us to give And we'll 
We gotta take a break. While our online platforms optimize their user engagement algorithms. So stay right there because if you miss a minute, we're talking to our friggin' self. The Love 17 Telephone will be right back. Call now and make it work. But meanwhile, now, here's news of the warm, won't you? A NASA satellite has provided remarkable new thoughts on how carbon dioxide is moved through the Earth's atmosphere. It just doesn't stay there like uh, relatives. The Orbiting Carbon Observatory, the OCO, so we call it here in the industry, tracked the behavior of the gas in 2015-2016. That was a period when the planet experienced a major El Nino event. That uh, phenomenon boosts the amount of carbon dioxide in the air. So... I say we ban the El Nino. It solved the whole problem. The U.S. Space Agency's OCO satellite was able to show how that increase was controlled by the response of tropical forests to heat and drought. The forest's ability to draw down carbon dioxide, some of it produced by human activity, was severely curtailed. Not a sink anymore. The science has significant implications, according to the BBC, because the conditions associated with El Ninos are expected to become much more common under global warming. If that ever happened, if future climate is more like this recent El Nino, the trouble is the Earth may actually lose some of the carbon removal services we get from these tropical forests, and then CO2 will increase even faster in the atmosphere. That's uh, from a team member uh, from Colorado State. That would amplify warming. Technical papers describing the work of the OCO have just been published in Science Magazine. I wonder what they're doing there. El Ninos occur when warm waters in the western Pacific periodically shift eastwards, you know, for the, uh, for the ease. This sets off a global perturbation, don't you know, in weather systems redistributing rainfall and bumping up temperatures. The uh, recent event was one of the strongest on record, and this was evident in the rise of the CO2. The jump was uh, three parts per million by volume, PPMV, to those of us in the industry, um, more than the normal two. That seems small, but it's the equivalent of four gigatons of extra CO2. It's a rate of increase not seen on Earth in at least 2,000 years. And the people who remember seeing it are too old to talk about it. Human emissions of carbon dioxide were thought to have been relatively static over the same period, meaning something strikingly went wrong with the processes that would normally scrub CO2 from the atmosphere. The ability to track the gas and sense the rate of photosynthesis in plants provided by the... uh, New system provided the answers. In South America, it showed that the biggest drought in 30 years limited vegetation's ability to consume CO2. In Africa, hotter than average temperatures increased decomposition of plant material, releasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And in Asia, tinder dry conditions fed rampant fires, particularly in Indonesia. The fires released peat carbon, remember him from the movies, that had been accumulated over thousands of years. This is the gold star for the satellite. We wanted to understand what happened in different regions of the world, said a deputy project scientist at NASA. We used to think of the tropics in a monolithic way. Tom? A monolithic way. Exactly. But now we can say one region behaved this way and another region behaved in a different way. Together they created this effect of more carbon 
in the atmosphere. So I blame the, uh, as I say, let's all get together and ban El Nino and problem solved. And now, news of our friend the Atom. Eddie the Atom is off on a sabbatical, or a sabbatomical, I guess it would be called, when federal regulators recently conducted an inspection at Pilgrim Nuclear Power Station in Plymouth, Massachusetts. It's done every three years to ensure certain systems can perform as designed. Components in two of the six systems chosen for testing fell short. Both shortcomings had been ongoing and undetected since the reactor opened in the early 1970s, and both had the potential to affect systems needed in an emergency. Nuclear Regulatory Commission inspectors classified the shortcomings as of very low safety significance, although they said both could lead to more significant safety concerns. One plant critic said the results from the small sampling were troubling. In their report, inspectors called the finding more than minor because if left uncorrected, the performance deficiency would have the potential to lead to a more significant safety concern. And, man, then the risks would really hurt. The federal team noted in its analysis that since the plant opened 45 years ago, The minimum temperature limits to preclude brittle fracture behavior in the associated piping system were not correctly translated into station procedures. But hey, what the heck. In the coming weeks deep inside the waste insulation pilot plant, waste isolation pilot plant in Carlsbad, New Mexico, large blocks of salt rock are expected to collapse inside a room containing six irradiated vehicles, each holding gasoline. Sounds like a stunt. The room is packed with radioactive waste, and the entrance has been sealed to prevent workers from entering. But on NBC, in a new... No, it's expected to be the fifth rockfall event in the last year in an area of the underground storage facility, Panel 7, where maintenance has been neglected since a waste drum breached on Valentine's Day in 2014. The accident released radiation into parts of the waste facility and closed the site for nearly three years. Officials from the Department of Energy say they're closely monitoring increasing movement in the walls and ceiling and keeping employees who work in the area informed about developments. The collapse is predicted, gee, before Harvey Weinstein gets out of rehab. The salt mine is is expected to creep over time and slowly encase radioactive waste inside. Rock falls are not uncommon, but unlike previous anticipated collapses, one of which was measured at half the length of a football field and eight feet feet wide. This one threatens to occur as waste shipments have resumed in the area, increasing the number of workers present and the amount of waste being handled. Everything's fine, in other words. Dateline Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Two South Carolina utilities are selling their share of a two-and-change billion five-year settlement over a failed nuclear project so they can recover almost all the cash immediately. Meanwhile, the governor of the state says he's still pushing to revive the abandoned reactors. And if he can't, he wants customers to get their money back. Customers have paid $2 billion they've been forced to pay for the nuclear energy that never came. Utilities say they have no intention of reimbursing the customers, nor do they plan to drop the nuclear surcharges imposed since 2009. Instead, they say the money they hope to get from selling the... Uh, Settlement should prevent more rate hikes. And if you believe that, I've got a nuclear bridge. No, I'm not selling it. Just, uh, I've got it sitting over here. And 
Deadline Paris, French utility EDF. I think they got those in the wrong order. Will temporarily shut down all four reactors at its nuclear power plant at Tricastin after the regulator identified flaws in a canal dike right next to the plant. The uh, regulator said in a statement that while the dikes are being strengthened, there is a risk of flooding which could lead to a major accident at the plant, which is located along the Rhone River in the heart of France's Provence wine and tourism region. The plant shutdown forced the uh, utility EDF to revise its overall nuclear output for this year. Flooding could lead to a nuclear fuel meltdown accident in the reactors at the plant, warned the regulator. In a highly unusual public disagreement with its regulator, EDF said it did not share the regulator's views, but would nonetheless implement the decision without undue delay. We'll stroll over there to flip the switch, won't we? Clean, cheap, too safe to meter our friend the Atom. And just uh, a moment of information of an, on uh, Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. An organization that advises several union pension funds invested in 21st Century Fox, owned by Rupert Murdoch, now call for the company to overhaul its board and conduct a comprehensive review of its workplace culture. That's in the wake of the sexual and racial harassment scandals at Fox News. Remember that? It was before Harvey Weinstein. The organization sent a letter to Viet Din. <laughs> not, not Viet Minh. Viet Din, the chairman of the board's nominating and corporate governance committee at News Corp. He's a nice person doing nice things. The uh, organization accused directors of failing to effectively address a long-time ethics crisis at Fox News and risking the company's reputation. Oh, my God, no, not that. And long-term value. Oh, my God, no, not that. If the board was aware of the settlements, that is to say the settlements paid to complainants against Roger Ailes, and refused to investigate and mitigate the risk, instead allowing the problem to fester, then it failed in its risk oversight function and facilitated a tone at the top that permits unethical behavior by high performers, said the executive director in the group. If the information of the settlements did not reach the board, then it failed to ensure that the proper corporate controls were in place, said the group. In a statement, Fox said, We take seriously all communications from shareholders and investment groups and will respond accordingly. Here's, here's a, an example of responding accordingly. The move is one of the investment community's harshest public critiques of 21st Century Fox over its handling of the scandal at Fox News. The company has been dealing for more than a year with the fallout from that crisis that exposed a workplace that women said was rife with harassment and where they feared reporting inappropriate behavior. Out the door went Roger Ailes, the head of Fox News, and the star performer on the channel, Bill O'Reilly. The United States Attorney's Office of Manhattan is conducting a criminal investigation into Fox News' handling of the sexual harassment complaints. The company also faces continuing regulatory scrutiny in Britain over its multi-billion dollar bid to acquire full control of the European satellite company Sky. Fox has incurred about $50 million in costs tied to the settlement of sexual harassment and discrimination allegations involving Fox News. That doesn't include the $40 million paid to Ailes or $25 million payment to O'Reilly. And Fox could face penalties of $140 million if the Sky deal is delayed until next year and $164 million if it falls through altogether. You know what? I'm going to send him a check. I just feel bad. Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. The USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America by the shortwave giant WBCQ the planet, um, WBCQ the planet, on the mighty 104 in Berlin, on the mighty Soho Radio in London, around the world via the internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want it, HarryShearer.com and KCSN.org, available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com and available as a free podcast from SoundCloud Sideshow Network. TuneIn.com, iTunes, and WWNO.org. And it'd be just like if the Academy let Harvey back in, if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much, uh huh. A typical show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and exile in Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. Where else? By the way, one other thing I noticed in Russia, in Russia, no, uh, in tune with the recommendations of American security experts for years, the first line of Metal detectors at airports is at the front door of the terminals. Maybe they know something. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from old London town.